Go ahead and be seated. And let me go ahead and dismiss our kids to Children's Church. If you're here up to third grade and would like to worship this morning uh, with your group, you can be dismissed. Let's give these kids a good welcome. Amen. And I want you to take your Bible this morning, and I want you to turn to Psalm chapter 9. Psalm chapter 9. Nathan, give me just a little more, okay, bro? Thank you. Psalm chapter 9, and this morning, I'm going to be preaching uh, on, on a picture. The title of the message is A Portrait of Praise. Now, recently, my mom ran into an old friend uh, whose husband uh, not only worked with my dad, but also their daughter, Teresa. We went to school together. We haven't seen each other for over 40 years. They ran into each other. And she said, show us a picture of Greg uh, so I can tell Teresa. Now, keep in mind, folks, my mom at one time thought the iPhone was the mark of the beast. She really didn't, but it scared her. That, that technology, uh, that, that's, uh, you folks that have those iPhones, and, and now guess who loves her iPhone? My mom has all those pictures. So there she was with uh, uh, the lady, Jerry, and she said, show me a picture of Greg, and my mom started flipping through all her pictures, and guess what she could not find on her phone? A picture of her only son. Oh, I had plenty of four other boys, but none of me. So, Mom, if you're watching, take a picture right now, okay? <laughs> Folks, listen. The most important part of praise this morning is Jesus. And this morning, I want to share a message about what that looks like what that looks like and it's interesting that the psalmist really helps us understand it a little better now when you look at Psalm 9 and 10 they seem to be closely connected in a number of ways For instance, jump down to verse 5 in chapter 9. You have rebuked the nations, you have destroyed the wicked, you have blotted out their name forever and ever. Jump down to verse 15. The nations have sunk down in the pit which they were made, in the net in which they hid. Their own foot is caught. Verse 17. The wicked shall be turned into hell, and the nations that forget God. And then when you jump down to chapter 10... Look at verse 16. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations have perished out of his land. You see a lot of similarities in these two chapters, but there is one contrast that just jumps out. Chapter 10 seems to be a complaint against godless living. But chapter 9 includes thanksgiving and praise I begin with verse 1 Psalm 9 I will praise you O Lord with my whole heart 
I will tell of all your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. And then, and then you begin to see some of that similarity. When my enemies turn back, they shall fall and perish at your presence. For you have maintained my right and my cause. You sat on the throne judging in righteousness. You have rebuked the nations. You have destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. O oh, enemy destructions are finished forever. And you have destroyed cities. Even their memory has perished. But the Lord shall endure forever. And also, jump down to verse 9. The Lord will also be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble, and those who know your name will put their trust in you. The psalmist says, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. Now, I believe it's fascinating that last week we looked at what God wants from us. We looked at that picture of that logo, love God. Remember what it said in Matthew 26? Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with what? All of your heart. And now the psalmist reminds us again, I will praise you, O Lord, with my heart whole heart I will praise thee with my whole heart I want to share with you three definitions of biblical words for praise the first one here I will praise thee O Lord with my whole heart is the word yada it means to focus on it means to revere intensely so when we come to praise the Lord, our job is to focus on Him. Anybody want to say amen? Our job is to focus on Him. We are to revere Him intensely, but it even goes further than that. It means to throw a stone or to shoot an arrow at a target. So when we come to worship and praise the Lord, our job is to shoot the arrow at the right target. And that is Jesus to tell you the truth, folks, often when we talk about worship today, when you go home or your family this afternoon or work tomorrow, many times we'll talk, how was church? That's the question. Or maybe you're here and your loved one's not with you. You'll get home and they'll say, how was church? And they mean well. They mean well. But a better question would be, did you praise the Lord? Because we can come to church and not shoot the arrows sometimes at the right target. You'll say, Brother Greg, does that happen? I know it happens. I know it happens. Folks, because there is a real devil who's alive and his job is wanting to disrupt anything godly. And when, you, when the church talks about revival and when you see what God's done here recently, get ready. And when the old devil knocks on your door, well, just go to the door and say, I was expecting you. Um, a few, a few weeks ago, we got as a gift, a Christmas gift, uh, one of those ring doorbells that some of you have seen uh, where you can see people at your door. And uh, I was in Cincinnati the other night, and that thing went off, and I looked at it, and I saw Jordy, my youngest grandson, run by the front door. And I thought, you know what? He thinks nobody's watching him, but somebody is. 
You see, this morning as we come to the, to the Lord to worship Him, we've got to make sure that we're shooting at the right target. You say, well, wait a minute, Brother Greg, are we not a Southern Baptist church? The answer is yes, but I'm telling you, there's also some crazy Southern Baptist churches right now. I'm telling you, folks, listen, the devil would like to have a field day with a local church. So you've just got to go to the door and say, I was expecting you. Let me introduce you to somebody. Uh, you know who he is. You cringe at his name. You know you're a defeated foe. You know one day that you're going to get locked and thrown into a bottomless pit. And his name is Jesus. And that's who we've been singing about this morning. You see, folks, we have to make sure that when we praise the Lord with our whole heart, that we're intensely shooting at the right target. The first thing I want you to jot down in your notes this morning is this. Our love for God should give us a passion to praise Him. To praise Him. So we go out. How was church? How was worship? What music did you sing? Did you enjoy yourself? The better question is, did you praise the Lord? And if we're not praising the Lord, we're not going to worship in spirit and in truth. Look at verse 2. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. The word for praise here is the word zamar. It means, it gives the idea of striking fingers, something with your fingers. So on the count of three, I want you to snap your fingers. Okay, I'll go one, two, three, and we'll snap. Okay, are we ready? Okay, I'm not sure. Is this group ready? All right. Okay. Over here? Okay, Clint's ready. On the count of three. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. It doesn't stop with snapping your fingers. The picture here is musical praise. Playing an instrument. As a matter of fact, the literal here is strings. Playing strings accompanied by a voice. What are you saying, Brother Greg? I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name. When we praise the Lord, we give him what we have. On the count of three, snap your fingers. One, two, three. One, two, three. Not everybody in this building may play an instrument. But to my knowledge, all of us can speak right now. I can use my voice to praise the Lord. So what we do is we come and we, and we stand like that little five-year-old did yesterday on third base in that opening day game with his arms folded. Like, look at this triple I got. And I said, brother, that wasn't a triple. You just ran from the dugout to third base. Okay? But what we do is we come to worship and we stand and we... Uh, I don't like that tune. I don't like that song. I'm not singing. Or that song is old-fashioned and outdated. It's not peppy. Get ready for both in this church, folks. I said it this morning. I'm going to say it again. As long as I'm your pastor, we are going to sing hymns. Like the ones we sang this morning? Oh, man. Uh I want to encourage you to join us Thursday night for National Day of Prayer at 6.30.
We've invited every pastor in the community. We're going to have some law enforcement representation. We're going to have a great night of prayer, and we're going to sing some hymns. Great is thy faithfulness is one of them. You'll say, well, Brother Greg, you just sound like you're old-fashioned. I am. And if I die or you fire me or I leave, you're more than welcome to bring in the guy who doesn't sing hymns. But as long as I'm here, the old rugged cross is still going to be sung. Now listen to me carefully. What that does not mean is I'm going to stop learning new songs. Amen? I mean, I'm, I'm usually a, behind the curve. When Chainbreaker came out, I, 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 I latched on to it about a year after it was released. But man, I'm telling you, God doesn't want us to forget the past and he doesn't want us to quit on the future. What he wants us to do is praise him with our voice on the count of three. One, two, three. And whatever we have to give him. And we can praise him for it. Zamar, celebrating giving praise, singing forth praises. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatever you eat or whatever you drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. So that's on the ball field, that's in the classroom, that's, that's on the work, workroom floor tomorrow. Whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. You can Praise Him. But that's not the only word in Scripture that deals with praise. I want you to go to the very back of Psalms and look at Psalm 146. Psalm 146. The last five Psalms leading to 150 are what's known as hallelujah psalms. There is an Old Testament familiar word called halal. It's where we get the word hallelujah that is a good picture and it helps us understand. The reason these are called hallelujah psalms is they begin with a praise and they end with a praise. For instance, 46.1. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. And look at the very end of that psalm. Praise the Lord. Psalm 147. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant, and praise is beautiful. Look how it ends. Praise the Lord. Psalm 148. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all the angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you stars and light. Praise Him, you heavens of heavens and you waters from the heavens. How does it end? Praise the Lord. 149. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and His praise in the assembly of the saints. Amen? We are to praise the Lord. How does it end? Praise the Lord. Now let's read Psalm 150 out loud together. Here we go. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that breath 
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The word here means to be clear. To shine. To boast. To make your boast in the Lord. You know, I thought about shine and and I was reminded in 1968, my mom and dad bought a new car. And like many of you, you can remember those. I was a seven-year-old boy. It was a 1968 Chevrolet Impala. We drove it home from Smedley's. I can still remember sitting on the hump in the back seat and, uh, or standing on the hump in the back seats. Kid, that's something that you can't do now. And, yeah, I guess back then parents weren't concerned that you go flying through a windshield. But, uh, of course, you can't do that now. But I can remember my dad, yearly, he would wax his car. And he used something called turtle wax. Now, if you've waxed a car recently, you're spoiled because the new wax is way easier to do than the old wax. Anybody want to say amen? And my dad would pull me in, and I would be his helper. And he would, he would get that wax on that car, and we'd have to wait for it to turn into a haze. And today's cars, you can almost just wipe that stuff off. Not in the old hard shell wax. Man, you would grind. And you would push. And, and you'd sit there as a, a boy saying, how long do I have to do this? And, but one thing that we learned was, boy, did that car shine after it was over. And when that rain hit it, it would beat up. Our job, according to, to the hallelujah, hallelujah praise, is to make sure that Jesus shines in what we do. That's the good news of the gospel. It's a good portrait of what praise really is. And folks, if we do not praise the Lord uh, rightly, our worship is in vain. What do you mean? We won't worship in spirit and in truth. You say, okay, what's worship then? It's when our heart's affection and our mind's attention is set on the things of God. Now, you say, well, our heart's affection is right, and I don't doubt that. But I believe in a room this size, there are so many things fighting us for our attention in our mind that sometimes it causes us not to be able to worship the Lord and to praise Him the way we should. Praise and worship go hand in hand. Our heart's affection and our mind's attention. Ronald Allen wrote this in uh, his article on worship. He says this, well, then what is worship? It is the celebration of God. When we worship God, we celebrate him. We extol him. We sound his praises. Here it is. Remember, we boast in him. Worship is not the casual chatter that occasionally drowns out the organ prelude. We celebrate God when we allow the prelude to attune our hearts to the glory of God by the means of the music. Worship is not the mumbling of prayers or mouthing of hymns with little thought from our heart. We celebrate God when we join together earnestly in prayer and intensely in song. Worship is not uh, words or boring cliches when one is asked to give a testimony. We celebrate God when all the parts of the service fit together and work to a common end. Worship is not grudging gifts or compulsory service. We celebrate God when we give to Him and serve Him with integrity. 
Worship is not haphazard music done poorly, nor even great music done as a performance. We celebrate God when we enjoy and participate in music for His glory. Worship is not distracted endurance of the sermon. I was going to not put that one in there. Worship is not distracted endurance of a sermon. We celebrate God as we hear the word of God gladly. Amen? And seek to be conformed by it more and more to his image. Worship is not hurried motions or attacked on Lord's Supper service. We celebrate God preeminently when we fellowship greatly, gratefully at the ceremony that speaks so centrally of our faith in Christ who died for us, who rose on our behalf, and who will return for our good. As thoughtful gift is as a celebration of a birthday, a special evening, or celebration of an anniversary, or a warm eulogy in the celebration of a life. Worship is the celebration of God. So when we come together and praise the Lord, we're praising a living king. Uh, the vice president was in Cincinnati this week, and uh, the question was, should we go that way because of the crowd and what they're doing? Folks, I want to tell you there's a king here this morning, and his name is Jesus. And I want to tell you, I don't bow before a president of the United States, but I do bow before the king of glory and the one who created me to worship him in spirit and truth and to praise him with my whole heart. Now here, I'm just going to ask God to forgive me right now, and you all will know what I mean. God, forgive me and this church for sometimes half-hearted worship. Because I know we're there sometimes. You might be here this morning, you're just dog-tired. Man, I understand that. Working hard. Maybe you're here, and medically, you're, you're just tired. Okay, we understand that. Maybe emotionally, you're just tired. Maybe you're here today, and you're ready to quit. You just want to quit everything. The good news is, he is worthy of our praise. And the one that we're praising this morning knows us better than anybody in this room. Even knows me better than Renee does. Amen? And loves me more than she does. That's the God we worship this morning. Now, how important is it? Well, in Luke chapter 19, Jesus is coming uh, as he heads to Calvary. If you recall, when he is in ministry, the Bible says they were saying, Blessed be the king that comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from the multitude said to them, Master, rebuke your disciples. Quiet them down. And Jesus said, I tell you that if they should hold their peace, the rocks will cry out and praise me. God has given us a unique opportunity to praise him, folks, for who he is and what he's done. Now, do not misunderstand something that often we see. Praise is not just limited to your outward movements. Oh, you Southern Baptists must be dried up, folks, because everybody doesn't raise their hands. I realize that some do and some don't. If you don't, if you don't want to... Uh, be around a hand raiser, don't sit behind Anita Sackenheim. 
But let me tell you something. You can worship the Lord where you're at, just the way you are. For some, it's easy. For some, it's awkward or it's hard. I told you I grew up in a church that was very quiet, very, very liturgical. Here's the order of service. Stand up, sit down. This is the way we do it. Someone would say, amen. And I thought, boy, who? wonder where he's from. Because our church was quiet. But you know what? I grew up in a church that I loved the Lord. The, the pastor loved the Lord. He preached the word of God. Listen to me. Don't buy into something that somebody says you have to be a certain way or you don't love the Lord. That comes from the inside. It works its way out. For some people, it's easy. For some, it's tough. I know that because sometimes we'll sing a song or something and we'll say, hey, extend your hands and, 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 and that's, that's when it happens because you're told to do it. But real praise is not being told to do it. Real praise is choosing to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth from the depths of your heart. Amen. I went to the Reds game Friday night. 40% capacity. Nobody in front of us, nobody behind us. It's kind of nice. But you know what I came home and told Renee? Lost people act lost. I just soon watch a game from home. I had to realize I wasn't at church service. Have you ever been there? I had to realize that everybody's language, they could care less if there's small kids around or not. If you're here this morning and you've been redeemed by the cross of Christ, Jesus' blood shed for you on Calvary, everything about you ought to want to praise him. You'll say, well, Brother Greg, I'm just not sure I like the direction you're going this morning. Well, you take it up with Psalm 9. Because he says, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all of your marvelous works. And I'll be glad and rejoice in it. Halal, hallelujah, praise. There's a clear focus. The spotlight's on Jesus. And our boast is to be in Christ. Galatians 6, 14. But God forbid that I should glory, except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I to the world. So what does it mean to praise the Lord? I want to give you some things quickly. And we'll close. The first is this. When I praise the Lord, I will call on him. We see that throughout the Old Testament. The Bible says kings would fall down on the earth upon their face as men would fall before kings. And it was the godly, righteous leader who would say, Blessed be the Lord thy God. Now, not every king was like that. But God would raise up leaders and proclaim calling on him that's what we're going to do this Thursday National Day of Prayer together what does it mean to praise the Lord it means to recognize his greatness first Chronicles 16 for the uh, for the for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised he is to be feared above all gods 
little g. What does it mean to praise the Lord? It means to recognize His name. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby you must be saved. Recognize His name. 1 Chronicles 29, 13. Now therefore, O God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. What does it mean to praise the Lord? It means that we give Him all the credit. All of it. Think about the preachers and the teachers and the leaders and the families who have come through this church and are in heaven now. In their wildest dreams, couldn't imagine what God has done here and blessed us with. But they were just as faithful or even more faithful back in the day when they didn't hardly have anything. But they still had the word of God, amen? And they still had Psalm 9, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. Have a proper fear means to praise him. That, means, that doesn't mean living your life just cowering, waiting on God to drill you. It means that you recognize who he is. He's the creator, the controller of everything, and you will serve him. The Christian life is not a game. God doesn't cut deals. That's why I believe the Bible continually says, with your whole heart. As we talked about last week, what if your fiancé said, well, I, I, I love you partly. I, I, I partially love you. Growing up, my dad would ask me how much I loved him, and I, I would make a sign. And I'd, I, I'd, I'd make it like this, I, and I would give a number. And I can remember saying this. 40, I love you 40, Dad. And I thought that was so good, 40. If you hit four foul shots out of 10, you're, you're not on the team. You hear me? 40, whole heart. That's what God wants. What does it mean to praise the Lord? I will praise his word, Psalm 56, 10. In God, I will praise his word. In the Lord, will I praise his word. We're called to celebrate those things. And our boast is in the Lord so this morning when you leave the right question to answer is not how was church what kind of crowd did you have how was your Sunday school class those are all good things the right question is did you praise the Lord well we opened the Word of God we sang I, I believe the desire was to shoot the, the arrow at the right target I believe the focus was Jesus, and our boast is in the Lord. I close with this, number four. Praise is only acceptable when our hearts are right. What? Yeah, Psalm 119, verse 9. How shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart, I have sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against God. So what's my response? First of all, it's submission. It's submission. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. It's recognition. I'm not all I need to be. But I want to, I want to be, and then it's action. It's action. And if we're going to praise the Lord, folks, it's going to come from a heart of worship. 
It's going to come from a heart of worship. One preacher said this, we need to draw near and listen well. We need to be calm and quiet as we listen for the Lord, recognizing that in an audible way, God may not speak. It may be in an invisible way through the Spirit. And then make a commitment and keep it. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed.